0: Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, We'll start there in just a few moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for being here. Beautiful congregation this morning. And God is with us. We're going to have a very special announcement at the end of service today. I'm going to be introducing you to some wonderful people and just something that I am just thrilled, thrilled, thrilled about. So you'll just have to wait until the end of service to find out. I also want to make another special announcement. Help me get the word out starting next Sunday morning. Everybody say, next Sunday morning. morning. It's a lot to say at one time, isn't it? I usually give you one word. I should have just said. But we're going to kick back off our um, children's ministry. Um, We'll get details out exactly. I think where it's going to fall is uh, there's certain regulations. We cannot do certain things yet, uh, and we have to be very careful with what we do try to uh, to do. Uh, so I think it'll be potty trained up at first. So uh, those of you on the verge, you uh, get get to work. <laughs> get your little sticker chart or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> But we're going we're gonna to start it back off with uh, those who are potty trained up through the fifth grade. So that will be open to all of our existing children here at the church or anybody you may know of that uh, needs a good children's church. Uh, if a parent or guardian feels um, nervous and wants to stay with the child, they can do that. One, one parent, one guardian. We don't want it to turn into a uh, like a hangout. Is that fair enough? You know what I'm saying. But like, if if one parent wants to stay with with a child or something, and that makes them feel more comfortable, then um, that'll be allowed. That'll be welcome, Uh, and it will be outside under the pavilion. So uh, some of that is for a creative streak, and we didn't get because of the pandemic. We didn't get to have you know Bible school. They haven't been able to do things for a while. So we're going to have it outside and do some creative things. It'll be during the 11 o'clock service only, just at 11 o'clock, out under the pavilion. We have some new picnic tables that are coming that we've ordered, and uh, we're going to set it up really, really nice. And uh, Pastor Jacob's already put up a nice screen up on the the wall, and he created what he called the Corona Cart, and it has uh, balls and a temperature check. We'll check their temperature. As they come in and and different things, we're going to make sure everybody's safe and socially distanced and um, all those good things. So next Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, help me spread the word. I'm excited about that. Amen. So thank the Lord for that. The uh, online videos that Pastor Daryl and and Miss Pam have been doing, those are going to continue on. And haven't they been wonderful? Say amen. So uh, those are going to continue on. They'll be online. As well, each week, because we know that not every child or family will still be comfortable coming back just yet. Um, and we respect that, you know? We respect that. And, and we went into this as we opened back up in June. Uh, I think we've completed two solid months back. We knew that different people would see this situation differently. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. You know where we have to believe? We have to believe the same right here with the Bible, But you know what, if you see this differently, some people in our congregation feels like that the schools should stay closed and some feel like they should stay open. And you know what, we all have a right to our opinions. And we're probably all a little bit right and we're probably all a little bit mistaken. Is that okay? Is that all right? You know, and let's just stay unified and not get mad at each other because we might disagree on any number of things. But we agree on one thing and that's this word right here, isn't it? And on Jesus Christ. And that's all, that's all that matters right there. So we're going to get through this. But thank the Lord. You all have been so patient, so kind, so wonderful. This church body has been fabulous throughout this whole ordeal. I, I read things. There's a private ministers group online of um, ministers, our Church of God ministers in the state, our sister churches. And I see posts and comments and things from some my colleagues about, well, if we do this, we're going to make these people mad, and if we do this, we're going to make these people mad, and, and, and they're navigating things, and I think, you know what? I haven't had to deal with any of that, because you all have been so loving, so respectful, so accepting of, and appreciative of anything we've tried to do, and I appreciate that. That means a lot. That means a lot. and It speaks volume to this church. It speaks volume to the shepherds that you had for 27 years. Amen? that loved you and, and, and uh, all right, I need to quit rambling and go it on, but it not good? God is good. I'm just happy to be here. Sometimes when I'm around my colleagues, I just have to shut my mouth because I think you got to quit bragging about this church and all these people here. So um, everybody doesn't have it as good as I do, so I have to be, have to be mindful of that. Would you look with me, First Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to preach this morning, continuing on with the road trip with Jesus. Would you, before we start this scripture this morning, I got a message. I want us to pray together and we'll preach. Um, a young man in the community that is missing right now. And I uh, got a message from his mother this morning and, and wanted uh, prayer for him. Um, he's been having ongoing issues and, and it's a scary situation. And so um, she asked for it to remain confidential as to who the young man is, but would you bow your heads? Can we just pray for his safe return and pray that God would get a hold of his heart and his life? Lord, we pray for this young man this morning. Lord, uh, it's a scary situation, a heartbreaking situation. Lord, a young man that's been gone since 10.30 last night, Lord, you know exactly where he is and, and what's going on. Lord, would you, one, help them find him, and two, would you help him find his way? Lord, that his way to Jesus Christ and his way to a better life, Lord, and all the things that the enemy has tried to do to destroy this young man, Lord, that you would help him realize how loved he is and how cared for he is, but, but also, Lord, that you have a plan for his life, a purpose for his life, and Lord, we pray for his safe return, we pray for his return to you as his personal Lord and Savior, and that you would do a great work in his life that can only be done by the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just move and as our church prays together in faith believing, Lord, do a work and bring him home and, and bring him to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you for helping me pray for that young man this morning. I want to preach to you a, a title, Road to Damascus, Road to Damascus. And if you'll look with me at 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 8. We've been on this road trip for several weeks now and we have two more stops in this series or two more stops on the road. Next week we'll be preaching about the rapture of the church. I still believe that Jesus is coming again. And then a week after that, we're going to preach about the second coming of Christ. And how many knows those are two different things? But they're two glorious things and as children of God, we're going to be part of both of them. So those are our last two stops on the road trip that we're we're going to take together and finish up. I have enjoyed this series Personally, maybe more than I've ever enjoyed any series that I've ever preached in my life. I have just loved studying these things and, 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 um, and communicating them to you. But this morning, look at first, uh, first Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. And this gives us a good review of where we've been in the series. But it is also talking about a gentleman who we're going to take a ride with this morning. We're going to take a ride with a gentleman who was named Saul, whose name was changed to Paul. You know the apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. We're going to take a ride with him this morning. Look with me at verse 3. For I delivered to you, this is Paul talking to us, first of all, that which I received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. Can I just get an amen right there? That's the bedrock. Remember a few weeks ago we preached that Jesus is alive. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. It's one of the foundational points of our faith. And that he was seen of Cephas and then by the twelve. Remember we talked about him being seen on the road and how their hearts burned within them as he talked to them by the way. Then Jesus was seen by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred all at one time of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. What Paul is saying here, when he was writing this letter to Corinth, he's saying, hey, there's 500 people who saw Christ resurrected, saw him at one time, and a lot of them are still alive right now while I'm writing this to you. Now, of course, they're, they're asleep now, but time has passed, but they were alive still to that day. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, and here's where our road trip takes us today. Last of all, he was seen by me, Paul, as one born out of due time. He's saying, it seemed like I was born a little too late. I wasn't in all the initial action of everything, but Christ chose to appear to me a little bit later. We're going to see that this morning in our sermon. So we're on this road to Damascus. And if I if I can say it this way this morning on the road to Damascus without sounding corny or or kind of weird, but if you look at Damascus, you could say it this way: Demask us, de mask us. Wouldn't you like to be demasked this morning? Well, I want to try to preach a sermon to us today. That I hope will demask us on the inside. I say, Christ, demask us again. I say, Christ, reveal yourselves to us again that we can take off the mask that are hiding us from you. Christ, reveal yourselves to those around us so that the mask will not hide them from you or you from them any longer. I'm so tired of these masks. Can I get a witness? <laughs> but we need to be safe. It's a covering. A mask is a covering. A mask is a disguise. You know, one thing I do think about the the mask sometimes is when I'm out and about, I think, you know, if I see somebody, I don't really have to worry about my facial expressions too much. If they try to say something funny, I don't really have to smile. They don't know if I'm smiling or frowning. (laughs) So sometimes it's good, it's a disguise sometimes. It's a covering. Sometimes people will wear a mask as amusement, sometimes to terrify someone else, sometimes as a way of concealing. But in a spiritual context, if I'm wearing a mask spiritually speaking, that's not good. Talking in the spiritual now, talking in our relationship with Christ, if I'm wearing a mask and I'm trying to conceal things from other people, and most importantly, if I'm trying to conceal things from God. I need to get on the road to de-mask us. You see, a mask hides, but Christ reveals. What does Christ reveal? First, he reveals who he is, but he also reveals who we are. But the good news is, if I can take that and put it all together, he'll review who, reveal who he is. He'll review, reveal who I am. He'll put that together, and he'll reveal who we should be, which is a new creation in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Anybody become a new creation in Christ? Anybody know what I'm preaching about this morning? So as we're on this road this morning, I, I want us to do some things. First, let's do this. Let's check our driving record. You already know from me um, mentioning this many times before, I don't really want you to check my driving record. I've had too many infractions. I have seen the blue lights too many times, and he has written the ticket too many times, and I've tried to get off the hook too many times. So I don't want you to look at my driving record, but maybe we should look at our own driving records a little bit this morning. And the first person's driving record I want us to look at is this man who was Saul, who was renamed Paul. Saul, who persecuted the Christians, who became Paul, who was one of the greatest Christians and apostles in the history of Christianity. So we're gonna pick up a hitchhiker. Ever hitchhiked? Not me. You know, they say don't pick up hitchhikers. We're gonna read about Saul and it'll show you why we shouldn't pick up a hitchhiker. Go with me to Galatians chapter one. Galatians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. I've got a lot of scriptures this morning just to kind of look at together. Galatians chapter one, verses, there they've got it. I had it marked with a paper clip, and I couldn't find it. Galatians chapter one, 13 and 14. Here's Paul, here's Saul, this man that we're gonna hitchhike with this morning on our road trip. For you have heard of my former Conduct. You heard how I used to act in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. This man tried to kill the church, and yet we're going to take a road trip with him this morning. Paul had a rebellious experience. He had a bad driving record. Let's look at something else about this man, Paul. Look with me at Acts chapter seven, 57 through 60. And they're gonna put it on the screen there. Acts 57, Acts seven, I'm sorry, Acts seven, 57 through 60. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet, here's our hitchhiker, at the feet of a young man named Saul. What was happening right here? And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So what was happening here? This man, Stephen, was being stoned for being an early Christian, and this hitchhiker that we're taking on a ride with this morning was standing there. In fact, he was consenting for it. Many theologians think he probably organized the whole thing. He probably put it all together that we need to stone this man, Stephen. Now, we're just going to give him a ride today. I don't know that that's a good idea that he's in our car. But they said they laid down their clothes at Saul's feet. He was heading in the wrong direction. Do you know anybody in your life that's heading in the wrong direction? Do you know anybody in our society that's heading in the wrong direction? Does it even feel like society and the world as a whole is heading in the wrong direction? Well, here's something that really grabbed my heart about this. A lot of people are heading in the wrong direction because they're in rebellion, open rebellion. They don't care. They know, but they're in open rebellion. And God wants to change them. But I want to make a different point right here this morning that I think we need to grab a hold of as a church. There are many people who are heading in the wrong direction. They're well-intentioned, but they're heading in the wrong direction. We live in a world today where a lot of the upcoming generations, they want to do good. They want to do right by their fellow man. They have a great heart for other people. They have a great heart for justice and even for morality in the sense of morality as they know it. But they don't know the word of God. It's a sobering thought, but we we need to grab this and understand this as a church. It's not like it was 30 years ago. Let's just say in these communities around us. Where there were people we would call maybe backsliders. We would use that term a lot. Where there were a lot of people maybe who wouldn't come to church. They wouldn't be part of of the church body. They wouldn't serve God. They were what we called backsliders. They knew better. They'd been raised in church. They knew all of those things, but they had chosen to walk away from it. And they were living in rebellion. Now God wants to draw the backslider back and he wants them to be saved. Amen? Amen. But there's a difference in our society now some 30 years later. The majority of the people that we as a church need to witness to and teach and minister to and help, the majority of them quickly are becoming people who are not really what we would call a backslider. They're people who have never known to begin with. And they're people who are living, many of them are living, this term I put in the notes, they're living well-intended lives. They have great intentions. They want to do good. It has been said, I've done a lot of reading about the millennial generation. It has been said, the millennial generation wants to make a difference. They were born 1980 and up uh, until the next generation. They want to do good things, but they don't know God, many of them. And many of them have not, most of them have not been raised in a biblical background. So in their minds, they're not living in rebellion. In their minds, they're just living in what they've always known. What needs to happen? The mask needs to come off. I'm preaching all right this morning. I know what's on my heart, I don't know if it's coming out. But but it's like a mask. And they think they're doing good and they think they're living right. And they, they, if we're helping people and we're doing and we're making contributions and they're one of the most giving generations, but there's a mask between them and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they don't know that they can be saved. They don't know that it's not just works, but there can be a conversion and a transformation on the inside. That's the new reality that we are are facing. That's the new harvest field in America that we need to reach. What does that mean for you and I? It means we need to understand now more than ever what God's word says. We need to understand the gospel. We need to understand how to communicate the gospel. We need to understand how to meet them where they are and begin to show them the way to Christ. We've got to up our game, amen? Amen. We need to up our game. It's a different game. It's a different world than what it used to be. We need to take the mask off. You see, Paul thought he was doing good. He thought he was doing the right things. But he was not aligning his life with God. And sadly, that's where we find ourselves over and over in our society today. Many well-intentioned but misunderstanding people. Many well-intentioned, but lost people. What do we need to do then as individuals? What do we need to see others do? We need to dim our lights. We need to dim our lights. If I could use an expression since we're on this road trip, we need to dim our lights and we need to let Christ to shine his light brightly upon us like he did for Paul. Look with me, Acts chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Acts chapter 9, 1 through 6. And look at this, this man, Saul, who becomes Paul. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest and he asked for letters from him to the synagogue's of Damascus. Now these were not letters that he'd take to the synagogue and say, hey, how are you doing? We love you. We're here to support you. God bless you. These were letters saying, we're coming to find these Christians so we can kill them or haul them off to prison. So that if he found any of them that were in the way, that would mean those who followed Christ, it was actually their way of making fun of them. They would say, they are in the way. It was a, It was making fun of them, whether men or women. He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. God was basically saying, I'm going to dim your light. I'm going to shine my light, and I've got a change that is coming to your life. Wouldn't it be wonderful for family members that we know? Wouldn't it be wonderful for friends and neighbors that we know that all of a sudden God would make himself known to them in such a real powerful way and get their attention? And I say, God, get our attention as well. Suddenly a light shone around him from heaven and then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, we're on this road trip to Jesus and right here we see Jesus appear. Jesus is already as we preached a few weeks ago, ascended to the Father. He's already at the right hand of the Father, but here he reveals himself and shows himself to Saul and he says, "Why are you persecuting me?" And the beautiful thing about that is he will reveal himself to you and to me. And he said, "Who are you, Lord?" And then the Lord Jesus or the Lord said, "I am Jesus who are you, you are persecuting?" It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. He's basically saying, you're trying to do something that you think is right, but you're actually hurting yourself and you're hurting me. So he, Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? Paul, at that point, or Saul, who becomes Paul at that point, embarks upon what I called in my notes a conversion experience. I still believe that we must be converted. We must be, let me say it this way, born again. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe and know that not just living a good life will take us to heaven? Not just saying, I believe God, will take us to heaven. We must be born again. We must have a conversion experience. There's a term that's floating around right now in our world that's called cancel culture. I don't know if you've heard that term or not, but it's, it's we're called cancel culture. And they're saying we need to have a cancel culture and, and certain things need to be wiped out. I'm not here to talk about that this morning. I tell you the kind of culture that I know we need is a conversion culture. If anything needs to have hashtag something something, how about this, hashtag conversion culture. We need a conversion culture. We need, again, to see men and women to leave their lives of sin and give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and let him change and transform their hearts and their lives. We need a conversion culture. Look what happened. Uh, if you go on and, and, and you can read the rest of the chapter this week maybe, but you'll see that Saul was converted. You'll see that he, he was blinded for many days and there was a man named Ananias that God sent to go down and pray for him. And Ananias prayed for him, not only to receive his sight, but that he might receive the Holy Ghost. We preached about the Holy Ghost the last few weeks And Saul, Paul experienced all those things. He was saved, he was healed of the blindness, he was filled with the Holy Ghost and then God used him powerfully and his fingerprints are all over the New Testament. But let's look at Philippians chapter three, verses three through 14. Very quickly this morning. Philippians chapter three, verses three through 14. And let's see what this conversion brought about in Paul's life. For we are the circumcision who worship Christ, worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, here's Paul telling about his backstory. If anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of the Pharisee. He he did everything right, naturally speaking. He did everything right, Judaism. In fact, he excelled, but he didn't know Christ. Look at verse seven. But what things were gained to me, these I counted lost for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. One translation says, dung, that I may gain Christ. What am I preaching about? A conversion experience. I want to ask us this morning have we had the type of conversion experience with Christ where we've looked at ourselves and we've looked at our lives and we have said, everything I have accomplished up to this point is worthless? compared to my relationship with him. Have we had the kind of conversion experience in our lives where we look and we say, everything that has been behind me, everything I have, everything I have aspired to be, everything, none of that is important anymore except for Christ and him being in my life and him taking my life and now making it what he wants it to be. A change. A conversion. Can I just preach right here. And can I tell us today. That just coming maybe to an altar. And having a little experience. And then turning around. And easing our conscience. But then going out. And there are no change come in our lives. That's not a conversion experience. But when we truly Have a conversion experience with Jesus Christ? As the Bible says, old things pass away and all things become new. Have we had a conversion experience? Are there people in our lives that need this conversion experience where they can say with Paul, everything that I count it gain, I count it now as loss. It's not important anymore. I want to gain Christ. I want to follow him. I have. We used to sing that little chorus, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. What did it say? No turning back. No turning back. I have decided. How about you this morning? I have decided to follow Jesus. I love to preach about the promises of God and the power of God and the presence of God and the preciousness of God and all the blessings that come when we've had the conversion experience. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? But Jesus also said, if any man would come after me, let him first deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I want to know him not just in the blessings, but as Paul wrote in another place, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to preach a realistic message to you this morning. I hope you know by now that I'm a pastor that tries to to be realistic. I'm a pastor that tries to give you the full picture. Do you know I can't come in here every week and jump on the pews and just get us all fired up and give a bunch of hype and and, and no depth. We got to have the full picture. Is that all right? That's my heart this morning. That's my heart all the time. And here's what I want to tell us this morning, that there is a cost in serving Christ. There are things that I cannot do and still please the Lord. There are places I cannot go and still please the Lord. And sometimes we have to forsake some of the things that we have worked hard and invested in and walk away from them so that we can fulfill and please Christ. But Paul said, I count all those things as lost, that I might have Christ, that I might gain Christ. But any cost that you or I might face for being a Christian. Any persecution that we might encounter for being a Christian. And could the persecution increase? Can we see things in this world falling into place where there could come a time where we would have to even lay down our lives for our faith? I don't know that it's that far removed, really. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it could, couldn't it? The early church, it happened all the time. They threw them in lion's dens. They threw them in coliseums and watched and cheered as lions ripped them apart. They stoned people like Stephen. They stoned him to death. We suffer for Christ because we have to get up and and get here and it's raining a little bit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying though, don't you? They had it rough. We have it easy compared to that. But there is a cost, isn't it? Ever lost a friendship because you were following Christ and they didn't want to hang with you? They didn't want to roll with you anymore? Ever had tension maybe in a marriage because one, one spouse is a believer and one's not? There's a cost sometimes in following Christ. But it's worth it. It's worth it. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I'd rather have Jesus than anything That this world could afford today. That old hymn writer said it. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be true to his great cause. I'd rather have Jesus. Jesus, Do you know him this morning? Have you had that conversion experience? And if you have, I say, let's hold true. Let's hold fast to the right. Hold fast to the right. Let's make up our minds and set our minds on things above. Set our affection upon Christ, the author, the finisher of our faith. And knowing we're going to make it. At times we're gonna walk through great blessing. At times we might walk through great struggle. At times he's gonna add to us and at times we may have to give up some things, but I want to gain Christ, Christ, Christ. So I say, dim my lights and let him brighten his. And then finally, my final point this morning, we're gonna pray. We need to hit our brakes Hit our brakes. We went river kayaking. What did we do yesterday? Yeah, that's what it was. Thank the Lord I made it through. The water was probably only about four foot deep. but Just stand up, Pastor. Just stand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we did kayaking. And on the way to kayak, we had to get on a school bus. All of us with our mask on. And he was driving us. I have never ridden in a school bus that went about 110 miles per hour. But that man was flat out flying yesterday. I thought about this sermon. I thought, I need to tell him to hit the brakes. (laughs) But we made it. I've never in my life been on a bus that fast. I hope never again. He was flying. But can I tell you that in our lives, sometimes we're just flying. Have you ever been just kind of whoo? We get up, boom, 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 boom. We go to bed, we get back up, boom, boom, boom. And we are, like on that bus, we're just flying. One point, the inner tubes fell from the back of the bus, came, hit me in the back of the head. I think I have a mild concussion, right? Might be a little concussed this morning. (laughs) But sometimes we're just flying. We're just flying, we're just flying. And we need to hit the brakes this is a good little review point right here from last week. Remember our homework from last week was to find us some time and wait before the Lord. And let me encourage you that if, that if you didn't get to do that, try to do it this week. Let me encourage you, if you did do it, why don't you try it again? It'd be worth it. Sometimes we need to hit our brakes and spend some time with God. Reevaluate some things. Let me ask us a few questions. We're going to pray. Reevaluate our identity. What about my character? What about my character? And what about my course? The way I'm living my life. My character of who I am and the course of how I'm living my life. My character. Am I who God has designed me to be? Am I who He wants me to be? My course. Am I headed in the direction He wants me to go? The good news is what we see in the life of Saul who became Paul. If you and I hit the brakes and we see some flaws in our character, if we hit the brakes and we see some adjusting that needs to happen in our course, the good news is that Christ stands ready to get our attention and to help us. He wants to help us. So we need to pray this prayer. Look at Psalm 51 and 10 as we talk about demasking ourselves. On the road, to Damascus, on the road to demask us. Psalm 51 and 10 is how I want us to pray before we leave this morning. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast, one translation says, a right spirit within me. Create in me. A clean heart. Why don't we just say that together? Let's do. Just, can you repeat this? Create in me a clean heart, Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do you believe that this morning? Why don't we just bow our heads right, right where we are, and just ask the Lord to do that? Just ask the Lord to to do that. If you have never had that conversion experience, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and forgive your sins, change your life, just do it right now. Just ask him to come in and forgive your sins, change your heart, change your life. He'll do it. He's faithful. For all the rest that have already prayed that prayer, why don't we pray this one and begin to ask the Lord together this morning. Create in us, Lord, a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit with him. The psalmist went on to write, and take not away your Holy Spirit from me, and restore to me the joy of thy salvation. If you've lost your joy, he'll give it back. If you're here this morning and you're weak or you're weary, frustrated, tired, maybe indifferent, I don't know, but he, he psalmist said, restore to me the joy of my salvation, of thy salvation Lord." Lord, we pray this morning as we pray together. Lord, that you would change our hearts. Lord, as the song, little chorus says, change my heart, O God, make it ever new. Change my heart, O God, and make me more like you. The song continues on, Lord, to say you're the potter and we're the clay. So this morning, help us to take the mask off, And Lord, those things in our lives that that may be unpleasing to you, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. We ask you to help us, Lord. Lord, take the mask off of us that we might see you. Create clean hearts, steadfast spirit, right spirit. Let us be righteous through your righteousness. Put your righteousness in us, Lord. And Lord, as we leave this place today, let us leave closer to Christ, more of Christ's character, and Christ charting our course. Grant it, Lord, in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.